Welcome back, everyone, to Nintendo Dispatch, your weekly Nintendo podcast covering all things from the world of Nintendo. I'm James, and I'm all alone this week. That's right. Both Christina and Michael are out on the road, and I am here to fend for myself. And it was a big week. So without delay, let's jump directly into the big game news. And this Monday, Nintendo surprised us with an Indie World Showcase, because Gamescom is going on right now. And uh, I guess there's no more Indie Directs. I can't really be sure, but this uh, Indie Showcase... Uh, Indie World Showcase, I should say, was very, very similar to a Nindie Direct that we've seen in the past. It was 23 minutes of indie goodness, and both Kirk and Katie were there to narrate in previous Nindie Directs. They've been narrating them, but in person, but here they were just voices. And this Indie World Showcase was similar in ways to Indie Showcases of the past, and a little bit different. Mostly because it was this digital direct style where it's Here's a game, here's a game, here's another game, here's a release date, here's a big surprise. Whoa, awesome, some games are out today, rad. But everything was sort of done hand-drawn in between. There weren't a lot of 3D sort of rolling effects, spoiler, what's coming up next, and Kirk and Katie just sort of went through the motions, if you will. Now that said, uh, it was very, very good. There was a lot of good games, and I figured I'd just sort of recap some of them really quick as we went down. I won't spend the whole 23 minutes because you can go watch the full video yourself to see the gameplay. But they kicked it off with a game, Risk of Rain, from Gearbox, which is a squad-based four-player game where you sort of rinse and repeat over and over again to try to get through the level as you team up, uh, get more loot, upgrade your characters, and join uh, up to three other players. This is coming out really soon uh, in 2019. This is probably the highlight for me, uh, actually, uh, going uh, through I really enjoyed the look and feel of this game and if it has online play I'm really all about that uh, so this could be really really fun to see and then our friends over at Chucklefish had a brand new game called Eastward that they're publishing uh, in 2020 so a ways away but it's a very beautiful classic 2d side-scrolling adventure and next up after that was a game called Freedom Finger it, it was a little over-the-top shmup if you will where you play as a hand and it's middle finger so it's the freedom finger in which you are playing as a middle finger on a hand in a shmup a shoot 'em up for all intensive purposes it's a comedy based sort of over the top style uh, it is censored but you can also use the hand to smash things which i thought was really uh, fun just in general and that's coming out fall 2019 after that they broke down roki now i will say that this was a little bit longer of a trailer, but I couldn't really figure out what was going on or what is happening in the game. It's supposed to be this fairy tale where you link up with different monsters and sort of team up with them. Uh, I couldn't get enough from the trailer that they showed to really give a good, accurate one in general. But the one that really also stuck out to me next was Torchlight 2. Now, Torchlight's really fun because it's sort of a, I call it a Diablo-style dungeon crawler kind of team up with friends. But I loved the trailer for this because the trailer was in the style of the heroes of the game playing the game on the Nintendo Switch while sort of the world around them is in chaos. It was, it was really fun to watch. Uh, and I'm definitely looking forward to this one when it drops on September 3rd. 
Now, I'm a big fan of Tony Hawk Pro Skater from back in the day, as I'm sure many of our listeners are, if you ever got to experience the glory of uh, what was Tony Hawk. And there's been a lot of skateboarding games that have come out, like Skate, for instance, uh, since Tony Hawk, and there's been new Tony Hawks, but they sort of haven't lived up to those originals. And that's where this game sort of wants to step in and bridge the world of having realistic physics-based board control with some of the just fun of, you know, skating. Uh, It's called Skater XL, and I said it's physics-based, and they say in the trailer that no two tricks will ever be the same, which, okay, cool. Uh, don't, I, don't, I don't know if I really care necessarily, but they really focus in on this board control that you have really granular control. So I'm not really sure if it's going to be similar to Tony Hawk in the vein where it's having fun, it's fast, it's not, it's realistic, but not over the top realistic. I mean, actually Tony Hawk's not very realistic at all, but you know, it's not over the top realistic. You just want to have fun skating. This game might go back to the skate style of realistic skating, uh, but we'll find out in 2020 when it arrives. A whole bunch of other stuff in here uh, that I'll just talk about really quick. Super Hot, uh, which dropped on Monday, the, the, the moment that the video ended. Super Hot is one of my most favorite uh, VR games that I played. I can't wait to try this out. Uh, what's cool about it is it's this weird sort of white and red um game where all the enemies are coming at you but they can only move and time only moves when you move so you have to be very strategic about when you're making shots or when you're moving through the level and uh it did come out i was excited to go download it and then i saw it was 25 dollars, and i said i can't justify 25 dollars on super hot but if you've never ever played super hot because i've played it many a times and maybe one to look at uh uh, Dungeon Defenders was up next. Uh, Dungeon Defenders Awakened, which is a four-player Dungeon Defender crawler type of game. Uh, this game looked really, really beautiful. One thing I want to point out here, there's not too much to talk about it, but is that it is coming in February 2020, so quite a few months away, but it is a timed console exclusive to the Nintendo Switch, which I thought was cool. Now, besides Risk of Rain 2, my other top game that I have to shout out is The Tourist. Tourist. Tourist? I don't know. It's by Shinin, which is one of my uh, favorite developers back in the DS and 3DS games. I mean, some really beautiful uh, scrolling shmup type of games. This game, honestly, blew me away. Totally worth going and just watching the trailer just for this. But it's a Minecraft style pseudo 2d 3d where you play as a tourist which sounds kind of boring but then as you explore this trailer it's sort of a puzzle platformer and you can go into any shop so for instance he sits down in an arcade and starts playing mini games on the arcade machine but then he goes on a tour uh, a, a snorkeling tour and then gets sucked down by a monster and then you're in this other sort of uh, adventure mode which seems really cool this game blew my mind it looked stunning uh, and it comes out in november i couldn't be more excited about it uh what other games were on here that i really wanted to talk about well a bunch of other things uh such as hotline miami collection which also dropped on monday for 25 dollars, including hotline miami one and two then they had uh, a few other games like Skellboy and earth knight which looked very good and then this huge sizzle reel of a bunch of games coming out uh, this fall or early next year, such as Blasphemous, 
Close to the Sun, Cat Quest 2, which looks super cute, Spirit Fair, which comes out in 2020, Trine 4, The Nightmare Prince this fall, Creature in the Well in September. This game looks super duper beautiful. One Finger Death Punch 2, which is a stick finger type of game. Best Friends Forever, uh, February 14th, 2020. Fogs, which looks like a cat and dog sort of animals tied together puzzle game. I don't know. Uh, what the Golf, Kine, uh, Super or Hypercharge Unboxed. Uh, that game looked like you're playing as little army men in, in a little little world shooter. It looked cool. Northguard, Sparklight, and then Munchkin, Quick Quacker, Quacker Quest, uh, Fall 2019. And then out of nowhere, to kind of go along with one of our stories later on, there was a one more thing which I did not see coming, which was Xbox Game Studios is publishing the moon-developed game Ori and the Blind Forest Definitive Edition on September 27th. If you don't know about Ori and the Blind Forest, it is an absolutely stunning 2D side-scrolling adventure game. It looks astonishing and I hope that it really performs well and comes out well, just like some of the other games that have been ported over by Xbox Game Studios, which is, of course, a surprise, an Xbox game coming to the Nintendo Switch. And we've seen quite a few, which I'll talk about a little bit more. But that was the Indie World Showcase uh, and the video, again, 23 minutes. You can go check it out and dive through all of the great games inside of there. But what were your favorites? Let us know. Uh, tweet at us at Dispatch Podcast or leave a comment on NintendoDispatch.com. Like, what are you looking forward to? We'd love to hear. Now, in some other news, uh, not just the indie world uh, stuff that was happening, but there have been some, I almost want to put this in rumor mill, but there have been some Redditors and YouTubers that are reporting that they have gotten free upgrades for the Nintendo Switch. And when I mean free upgrades, I don't mean that they're getting a free upgrade to the Nintendo Switch Lite, or they are getting some other fancy upgrade. What I mean is that recently Nintendo upgraded silently the Nintendo Switch with a better battery life, some different um, screens and things like that in it. And if you just went and bought one, it would kind of stink to get the older model. So some Redditors and YouTubes, they had reached out to Nintendo, and apparently the Nintendo rep told them that if they purchased the console after July 17th of this year, Nintendo would pay to ship the replacement. And then you would just need to pay to ship your old unit back. And you would just get a free upgrade of the newer version of the Nintendo Switch, which of course is awesome if you had just bought it but picked up the wrong box or someone at a game store gave you the wrong box because they're going to have them on the shelves. Now, Apparently, this is not super duper official, so don't try this at home. Or you could try it at home and see see what happens, to be honest with you. Uh, when reached out, Nintendo representatives said that they do not have a Nintendo Switch exchange program. So this is not a program. They say, we always want players to enjoy their Nintendo Switch systems. And if anything ever gets in that way, we encourage them to visit support.nintendo.com for support or contact our customer support team. So this comes down to it. If you bought a Switch, you complain about it, Nintendo will do right and upgrade your Switch for you, most likely, and it's going to cost you a little bit. Which in that instance, hopefully you haven't opened your Switch yet and you could take it back to the store and get the upgrade there yourself. Uh, So you don't have to pay for shipping back and forth. But if you did buy it in the last few months, it may worth uh, a phone call to, to give Nintendo a call. 
And to be honest, there really wasn't tons of other game game news uh, as far as new things in and around Nintendo. It really was this indie showcase and these rumors of, uh, you know, basically official, uh, you know, kind of upgrade program. Uh, but there was a lot of other game news that was announced this week, um, which was really cool. And the first one that was not shown in the Indie World Showcase, which is because it's not an indie game, is an update from Mario and Sonic at the Olympic Games, which is coming out this November. They introduced a brand new classic 2D, yeah, classic 2D events mode, excuse me. Uh, and this is really cool. It puts both Mario, Sonic, and all the characters into a classic 2D mode for jousting and for uh, running events and all sorts of good stuff. It looked really, really cool. I, I was I was really pleasantly surprised to see this. And it makes me not want to get the game because I think the 2D version is, is way cooler. So there's that. Now, sticking with the Mario theme, we've gotten some updates on Dr. Mario World. Now, the game itself is not getting any updates, but we got an update on the sales and performance now that it's been out for one month. Sensor Tower always puts these out. And of course, these are rough estimates. It's not 100% accurate. But they're saying that Dr. Mario World has brought in $1.4 million and racked up 7.5 million downloads across iOS and Android. Now, it seems like pretty good numbers. However, when you put this next to every other game that Nintendo has released, it is not looking so good. So 7.4 is not too bad. It's on pace with Fire Emblem Heroes and uh, about half of Animal Crossing and a third of Super Mario Run. But it is also about 7x Dragalia Lost, which only had 1.6 million downloads. The difference is that $1.4 million in revenue is the smallest of any of the games. Regalia Lost, while it only had 1.6 million, brought in $26 million. Animal Crossing, 19 million downloads, $14 million. Nearly 10 million downloads for Fire Emblem, $70 million for Fire Emblem. That's the moneymaker there. And then Super Mario Run, $22 million and $30 million in revenue. Now, I, like I said, installed Dr. Mario World. I, was a, I wasn't a fan of it necessarily, so I didn't have any incentive to give money back to it. So did you give money? to Nintendo for Dr. Mario World, I would be super interested. I would also like to ask Christina if she's still playing it too. Because what I am looking forward to is the only mobile game that I'll probably actually play, which is Mario Kart. And I cannot wait for that. Now, the last thing that I want to talk about is something that I am really, really excited for. If you are a Nintendo online subscriber, hopefully you have downloaded and are playing Tetris 99 nonstop. And they are back at it with another Grand Prix. That is right. Tetris 99 is doing a crossover event August 23rd, just in a few days, with Fire Emblem Three Houses. So this weekend, from the 23rd to the 26th at midnight, so you got all weekend to do it, if you rack up 100 points, you will unlock the Fire Emblem Three Houses theme. So get your Tetris on and start playing on the 23rd. Now, before we get on to the game releases, let's talk about a few accessories that are coming out soon. Now, I love my Joy-Cons. I love Joy-Cons of all sorts of different colors. I have my neon blue, neon red. However, there are lots of different Joy-Con colors out there. And has been spotted on the Best Buy website a brand new, 
for all intensive purposes, Splatoon 2 themed neon green set coming out for $79.99 on October 27th. Now, while it is the neon green from Splatoon, this matches the Luigi's 3 release period. So it would be really awesome to get those bright neon green controllers while you're sucking up ghosts in Luigi's Mansion 3. Now, not necessarily accessory, but kind of product related. Uh, I used to be a subscriber to a box service called Loot Crate. And I remember visiting Loot Crate back at PAX many years ago, and their whole thing was, hey, give us X amount of money every month, and we will send you a really awesome themed video game crate uh, that has all sorts of cool stuff inside of it. So you could get all sorts of things, some stuff from like Jaws or from Ghostbusters. Sometimes it was movie themed. Sometimes it was like comic themed, all sorts of really cool things like that. Unfortunately, even though they had 250,000 paying subscribers, they have defaulted on their $21 million loan from 2017, and they are now officially filing for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. Now, if you already are a subscriber and paid for some of the things, they will apparently ship those all out. But unfortunately, they are going away. Um, now, they could get bought. Someone else could take them over. Who knows? But it is sad to see Loot Crate go away. Um, just like any other crates, I did it for a few months, and that was about it for me. But if you are a Loot Crate subscriber, um, it looks like it's time to make sure you update the website uh, and cancel your subscription there just to make sure there's no other fees that are coming in. Now onto the rumor mill. There was an interview with Matt Bodie over from Xbox Game Studios. Funnily enough, seeing that we just got a new game announcement uh, with uh, Ori. Uh, he was interviewed uh, by GI, it was a GI Mag, I think, and just talking about games and cross-platform games and potentially Xbox Game Studios bringing games to other platforms in the future. He says, well, you know, in other words, uh, is it a kind of game on this topic? Is it a kind of game where it would benefit from the network effect of being on a bunch of different platforms? Or is it a game where it can uh, be best supported uh, by putting resources and making sure that our platforms like xCloud and Game Pass and Xbox Live are really leaning in to support the game? So in general... They're open to it, you know, and they've already released Cuphead has been ported, Minecraft, obviously, Hellblade, The Outer Worlds, Super Lucky Tales, and now Ori. So they're open to it, it sounds like, um, but nothing super duper official. And, and that makes sense as they kind of pick and choose if, if the game makes sense. Now, the final rumor I'll get into because I don't love rumors, but apparently there was a new FCC filing that a Rastera link uh, user, Link83, found about a brand new wireless Super NES accessory for the Nintendo Switch, which could mean, are we getting SNES games on our Nintendo Online Virtual Library? One can only hope. Now, this does look like a very different implementation of the NES controllers that you would slide into the side. So maybe there's something different here, or maybe, you know, Nintendo just is uh, filing it for fun. Who knows? You never really know with these things. But that's going to do it for the game news, rumors, and so much more. So let's get into the best sellers. This week, topping off the charts yet again, Fire Emblem Three Houses, Minecraft coming in at number two, Dragon Ball Fighter Z, which just ended its sale, so we'll see that probably drop down, Super Mario Maker 2, 
Quest for the Golden Duck, which also went off sale and we'll see drop down soon. Cophead, Doom, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, Stardew Valley, and One Strike, which is currently 90% off. Now, there were a few other games that broke into the top 30, which almost snuck into the top 10. But in 21st place, Turok 2, 22 is Pillar of Eternity, and 23 Grandia HD Collection. So awesome to see those games up there. So let's get into the new releases that you can pick up this week. A smaller list this week. Um, so I'm just going to run them down really quick and loop back up to the top. On August 20th, you can pick up Yu-Gi-Oh! Legacy of the Duelist Link Evolution for $40. Rad for $20 from Double Fine. Truck Racing Championship because you need to race those trucks for 40 bones. Invert for $5. Onaki for $50 on the 21st. And on the 22nd is the big day. Lines Infinite, which I'm sure Christina is excited for, $2. Mr. Blaster, $2. Sega Ages, Poyo Pop. Or sorry, Poyo Poyo for $8. And also Sega Ages Space Harrier for $8. Everdark Tower for $5. Path of Sin Greed, which is a point-and-click uh, type of adventure. That game is $15. Milkmaid of the Milky Way for $6. Invisigun Reloaded for 20 bones. And then finally, on the 23rd, Gugermoth, Gurgamoth for $10. Snooker, $19 for $35. And Plunge for $8. Like we do every week, we bring it back to the top. And here are my picks for this week. First and foremost, I want to give a shout out to Sega Ages, just really pushing out really awesome titles. Uh, and those are kind of remastered, re-updated. Now, I never got to play a lot of the old Genesis games or Sega games, so I do enjoy seeing these come out. Now, Poyo Poyo, got a lot of Poyo Poyo games on the Switch. I don't need yet another one. But Space Harrier is very, very cool. It's a third-person shooter genre where you're sort of running in a straightforward pass sort of like star fox style uh and you have this huge gun you're sort of flying through the air and in different areas seems pretty cool uh so that one's on my uh wish list but i don't know if these games will ever go down in price but that's on there i, I think that's pretty cool to see also lines infinite the follow-up to lines x if you will uh it's currently on sale for a dollar fifty and i believe that's what christina recommended it is yet another hundred brain teaser number link uh puzzles so if you liked you know, Lines X, you'll probably like Lines Infinite, and it's only a buck fifty, so not bad for a little puzzle game. But my top pick, honestly, this week is probably Rad because it is from Double Fine Productions, published by Bando Namkai. Uh, this is a 3D action roguelike because everything's a roguelike nowadays, but it's supposed to be a post-post-apocalyptic world where humanity has faced Armageddon not once, but twice. And you play as this teenager protagonist uh, through this adventure of, of this radioactive wasteland and like unknown structures and creatures, and you're sort of the last hope for humanity. Uh, there's a lot of humor built into it. Good friends over at uh, Double Fine. does look like a pretty bang-up game. So that one's on my wish list, but not necessarily my must-have, although it does look very good compared to some of the other stuff coming out this week. But that's going to do it for the best sellers and the new releases. That, of course, brings us to what you're playing. And, well, something a little bit different this week uh, for me. Not what have I been playing, but what have I been modding? 
you happen to follow me on Twitter at James Montemagno, you will have seen a tweet recently, which I'll put in the show notes, that I took my Game Boy Color over the weekend, busted it open, and upgraded the screen to a backlit eight layers of depth and brightness backlit LCD. Uh, our good friends over at Midwest Embedding, uh, Embedded, uh, they came out with this LCD module. It's about $65. That is a drop-in replacement for the Game Boy Color screen, which is super duper cool. Now, the Game Boy Color screen uh, had some unique aspect ratios. It had different um, you know, colors associated with it, which was nice, but it wasn't necessarily backlit. And if I'm ever going to play a game, I really need it to be backlit. I don't know how anyone played these games back in the day or how we put up with it. But after a few hours and a little bit of soldering, which you can see in the photos, uh, me and my buddy Frank were able to fully get into it and get everything working. So you have to take it apart. You take off the old screen, put in the new screen. You do have to chisel out some of the plastic on the inside of the system to make the new screen fit. So we use some um, X-Acto knives and some pliers to rip away some plastic, but you can't see any of that because the, the black border on the Game Boy Color uh, go ahead and, and, and fills it in. And uh, then we did a little soldering. There's only one wire that you actually need to solder to make everything work, but if you do a few more wires which are included in the kit, you get that eight layers of, or eight levels of brightness by holding down the select and then pressing the up down key. So this is super duper cool. You still get about three hours of gameplay out of AA batteries based on the brightness levels, of course. And it works great in the sunlight at night, anywhere that you may happen to be. And uh, I've been playing more Game Boy Color games. I went on to eBay over the weekend and picked up a few more games because uh, I couldn't help myself because Game Boy Color games are little bit harder to find in the store but I did pick up a few so I ended up picking up Perfect Dark because I figured that'd be kind of cool just to sort of pick up uh, I picked up Bionic Commando Elite Forces uh, I thought that was a cool one uh, Wario Land 3 which is one of the top games from that era Pokemon Pinball also picked up that one uh, where is my win purchase history there we go I'm on my eBay right here uh, Super Mario Brothers Deluxe, uh, and those are the ones that I bought. So picked up a few, have those coming in. I, of course, opted for a little bit more expensive ones with box and instructions, but that's me. So, of course, that means I need to play some games. So I had some old games sitting around, and the first one was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Fall of the Foot Clan. This was a Game Boy original game, so not a Game Boy Color game. You play as one of the four turtles, um... And if you die, you can play as one of the other turtles through five different stages. Uh, I sat down. I beat the entire game in about 45 minutes, which is super cool. And the game holds up. It has lots of uh, nice little color elements on it on the Game Boy Color. Then the other one I was playing was Magical Tetris Challenge from Capcom and Disney. I do love Tetris. You know about my Tetris 99 um, ridiculousness shenanigans. But this one's pretty fun. You have the classic... Tetris mode in which you play as one of the uh, Disney characters, Mickey, Minnie, Donald Duck, Goofy. 
But there's also a really cool story mode built in. And this does have a battery in it, so it has a game save in it. And the quest mode, if you will, allows you to walk around, interact with characters. And it almost looks like Pokemon in a way. So you're walking around, you're going into different castles, and each of the different characters that are walking around give you a challenge. So as you're playing through Tetris, you have to do different things to unlock and complete their challenge, if you will. So that was a fun one that I had sitting around. But that said, it's not just me this week with a what you've been playing, because Christina, before she left for the road, she brought a great little insight into what she's been playing, specifically around Automachev. So let's head over to Christina now to listen in to what she's been playing. Hey there, Mots and listeners. So as I mentioned in last week's podcast, I finally bought a game. <laughs> I bought Automachev. So I wanted to share my first impressions and do a little mini review of the game. So Automachev is a level-based robot kitchen simulator puzzle game. Uh, kind of a mouthful. <laughs> so essentially, you are a human that was hired by a robot to help create their machine-run restaurant that will somehow take over the world. I haven't gotten that far yet. Uh, the art style is very clean and simple, and the music kind of reminds me of The Sims 2 or like a Pixar movie. I really enjoy it. It's very calming. So I don't have an engineer brain. I'm the type of gamer that avoids redstone in Minecraft. <laughs> that stuff just doesn't come very easily to me. And that being said, this game has been very challenging for myself. But because of that, it is extremely satisfying when... I do figure it out. So if you do have that kind of brain, if you are more like engineery, uh, then this is definitely a great game for you. So I'll give you a rough breakdown of how the game works. Uh, so the goal for each level is to fully automate the process of making and serving a variety of dishes. Each level gets more complicated by either giving more complicated recipes, multiple recipes, or the game will introduce a new kind of machine. So you also have things that you have to meet. There's certain like efficiency requirements. There's like a percentage. Um, you have to be careful of how much power you're using, how many orders you're filling. Uh, there's a maximum number of ingredient ingredients that you can use. So it can get pretty complicated. The first level, you learn how to make a plain burger by using a bunch of different machines. You have like dispensers that will give you ingredients, and then you have different types of arms. You have dumb robot arms, which will just move anything. And then you have smart robot arms where you can get into like the nitty gritty and actually program them to do what you want them to move. So you can program one to move only cooked burger patties. Um, so there's a lot of like micromanaging. Um, you get a lot of control over each machine, uh, such as how fast the conveyor belts move to making machines run in a power efficient mode so you don't use the power. Uh, so far, I've been really enjoying the game, but there have been a couple minor things that I have found kind of frustrating. Uh, some commands make you hold down a button to do something. So if I want to duplicate an item, I have to hold down. But the issue I've run into is I'm just trying to open the commands menu, which is the same button. But for some reason, the game thinks that I'm trying to duplicate the item. So I have to push the button three or four times before I can actually open the menu. Uh, also the direction of the robot arms took a little while to understand. I, it took me a lot of like trial and error because you can dictate if you want it to move ingredients to the left or if you want them to move to the right or straight across. So I just, it took me a little while to figure that out because they're not very clear on like where things are going. And the controls are a little odd to get used to. Some 
were just instinctive. I figured out exactly what I had to do, but others, because there's like three or four different menus to open, it was a little weird, and there's still some points where I'm just not really sure what I'm supposed to open. Um, eventually, you can run into special events and kitchen disasters like roach attacks and fires, so it can get very complex, and there's a lot of moving parts. Uh, the In the normal story campaign mode, there's about 30 levels, but apparently there's... I just I looked it up because I wasn't sure because I couldn't access them all at the time, but it seems like there are about 50 levels total in the game. So I currently am, I think, on level 6. There's optional levels you can do, and I, I'm trying to do all the optional ones. Um, and I've probably put about six or seven hours into the game. So the fact that it's only $15 in the eShop and it's this big of a game, it's definitely worth it. Uh, so far, I give it an 8 out of 10, but I'm sure that, that number will probably change as I get into more challenging and frustrating levels. <laughs> so if you do pick it up or if you have played it for a while, uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts either on Twitter, our Discord, or shoot us an email. So that does it for my mini review. Back to you, Mats. So there you have it. Some awesome updates from Christina and, of course, my awesome Game Boy Color shenanigans that I've been getting myself into. I hope that you enjoyed this Nintendo Dispatch. I'll be back next week yet again for one more week all by myself until Christina and Michael are back from the road with more Nintendo Dispatch. You can reach us at nintendodispatch.com, on Twitter at Dispatch Podcast, or just go onto any of your podcast applications and download Nintendo Dispatch and, of course, tell a friend. That's going to do it for this week, and this has been your Nintendo Dispatch.